We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Two more games to go. I, I'm ready for this team to make the playoffs someday, but but not this year. We are officially playing out the string of the 2020-2021 season. It just feels like it is officially time to, uh, I don't know, take this season out behind the shed and and end it. We are very, very close to a summer of reckless trade speculation and lottery ball chatter. But it's not over. It's not over. We we have three more of these post-game pods uh, to do before we get there. And on tonight's, uh, we're going to talk about the 114-103 loss to Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets tonight. Um, a couple things I want to hit on. Um, one, I thought it was cool. Uh, yesterday, Wednesday at practice... Got the chance to talk to Chris Finch a little bit about his time with Jokic in Denver and kind of the role he played in Jokic breaking out that year he was there. I thought that was pretty cool, and I'll play that for you. And then I also uh, also just want to hit on how streaky this Wolves team is feeling recently. They they just go on these explosive runs. Like tonight, Anthony Edwards had 18 in the third. But then they also just stall out for extended periods of time. And we got to we're going to talk about how that volatility of this team just kind of – it has to get ironed out if they're – for next season. If they're going to be a playoff team, it can't be so up and down. Um, and then the last thing uh, we got, we got to hit on is the, the big news today, that it's now apparently official, official, that Alex Rodriguez and Mark Laurie are the new owners kind of in waiting for the Minnesota Timberwolves. I mean, nothing can be normal <laughs> because they're the Minnesota Timberwolves. But uh, well, we'll talk a little bit about how this weird exchange of power is all about to go down. Uh, first, though, let's start, let's start with the Jokic stuff. 
Um, and if you watch the game tonight and haven't been watching Denver, I mean, you got to see how special he is. I mean, Jokic in the first five minutes of that game, he had he had twelve points, just four offensive rebounds. The he the the Wolves couldn't match him. Just the, those five minutes right away, the Nuggets took the lead, led by Jokic, and then and they just kind of carried it the rest of the way tonight. Jokic had thirty one points, fourteen boards, four assists. And he just scored easily around the basket. I mean, kind of preparing for this earlier today, just going through some of his numbers, it's it's insane. The, the efficiency of Jokic's numbers is really the insane part this year. The usage has gone way up, but the, but the efficiency hasn't dropped off at all. And, and when I was going through the numbers, the... I was looking at some of the stats, and it's funny that he did have a, a previous season where you know some of his advanced numbers, some of his efficiency stuff, was at this level that he's at this year, and it was, it was it was that 2016-17 season, which was Jokic's second in the league, and and that was the one year that Chris Finch was the associate head coach in Denver and kind of headed up the Nuggets' uh, offense as the offensive coordinator, and I asked. I asked Finch yesterday what he kind of remembers about that season and also just just sort of his read on how we're, we're living in this age right now of the, the superstar center. Chris, uh, your year in Denver was obviously Nicole Jokic is having his most productive season of his career, but just kind of like scrolling through some of the numbers, it looks like that year you were there was his, his previous most efficient season. Um, what do you... What do you kind of attribute that to in that year where you're there? I know that was many years ago, but do you, do you kind of remember anything from them? Oh, I remember that year well. I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun to work with him, and um, that was his breakout season. He, he uh, we, you know, we started him off and on in the beginning of the, uh, the year. We were playing with him and Nurkic together. They were really dynamic. It was more of a defensive issue uh, than anything of why we had to break him up, but um, – and then after about 20 games, I think he kind of took the mantle as the full-time starter and we just took off. I mean, we were, I think the number one offense in the league after that driven by him almost exclusively, we had some other good players, but um, you know, he's an offense unto himself creating for himself and others. I, I remember remarking at the time to anybody and everybody, some media included, like he's going to be the best pass, passing big man at, to have ever played the game when it's all said and done. And people thought that was a big statement. They thought, you know, Vladi was going to be better and all this stuff. But I mean, now you see it. It's, it's not a, it's not a, it's not an over exaggeration at all. Phenomenal player, phenomenal person. He's about the right things. He doesn't, he really doesn't care if he scores four points in a game, as long as his team wins, because he's going to have a lot of other ways to um, drive winning. And he does that. Uh, but that season, it was just fun to watch him go. And we, and we probably didn't even use him in the post as much as we should have that year. I think he was the number one post scorer in efficiency in the league, and, he, and his rate was not as high as it should have been given his uh, uh, success down there. So back in, like, you know, 2016, it, it kind of seems like the, the league is moving in this different direction. We're all we're starting to, you know, make a lot of noise about going smaller and all these sort of things. And now we've seen – Nicola take off and bead take off Carl take off. Like, did you see this resurgence of the center position coming at all five years ago? Um, I don't know if I'd say five years ago, but like I've seen it kind of all along the way. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to work with great centers. I work with Anthony 
uh, Davis. I work with DeMarcus Cousins. I work with Julius Randle, who's really basically like, a, you know, he's a four or five. You know, I mean, these guys are so skilled. They can score at all ranges. All those guys can really pass. Like, that's what, you know, people don't realize is they all can really pass. Um, and you can run an offense through them. And now as we've moved players all over the floor, bigs are touching the ball way earlier, but they're not just touching the ball in the post. And, you know, I'm, I remember getting to New Orleans and we just, we, we knew our offense was going to go through Anthony and DeMarcus. It was just those two guys had to figure out their spacing and that was it. But I've been really lucky in my career to work with these high-level talented bigs uh, that actually play like quote-unquote guards do. So Jokic was 21 years old back in that 2016-17 season, and Cat will obviously be 26 next year. And, you know, for, for Jokic, a lot of that explosion for him was just about, you know, maturity. You know, he was he's grown up, he wasn't a rookie anymore, and he was kind of starting to come into his prime. But I, I think also if you go back and look at that season, you know, some of it was about how he was being used, which obviously Chris Finch had a direct hand in. You know, you're, we're not going to see that maturity sort of thing with Cat. Like, he's not going to make the leap of a 20 to 21-year-old that we, you know, you just see in you know, your body improving and that those sort of things. But, you know, Cat, Cat is already in his prime, but there there is a real opportunity here that Finch can again kind of have that direct hand he played with Jokic in, in bringing, a, you know, another star center to another level. You know, like Jokic in 16-17, like Finch did with Anthony Davis back when he was with him in New Orleans. I think it's really it's a thing to be really optimistic about. If you're if you are a believer in Cat's talent, then I think you can if you believe that he has this superstar talent, then you can really see the distance between where he sits currently in the league's kind of hierarchy and and where where he could get to. I mean, this season you know, this season's winding down and it it's going to go down as a a year at the center position where, you know, Jokic was the MVP and Bede was the most dominant player in the league when he played and Gobert was the most dominant defender in the league and led the, you know, the jazz to the number one seed in the West. And I mean, we remember a couple of years ago when that cat was in that conversation, you know, he was in those, he was in that same tier and he's not this year. He's, Cat's production is is at a level below where those guys are. You know, he's more this season out of the All NBA conversation and more in the the group with the Bam Adebayo's and the Clint Capella. And I mean, we know we know at a minimum, Cat's at the top of that group, but we we can see that there is you know a space for him to to clear room at least between him and the Capellas and the Adebayo's. But really, that that's that's not all on Cat. Like Jokic and Embiid have accelerated to another level this season, given their own work and their own individual de- development. But their teams are using them more efficiently than they ever have. Like that. That's why Jokic is the MVP. And that's how Cat hits a new level. You know, he's got to be himself, but he's got to be himself in the right spots, the most profitable spots. That's what that's what Jokic and Embiid are doing. You know, Finch has now had like a half of a season to figure out with Cat what those spots are. And I think he's still kind of figuring it out. But you know, for the Wolves to be good next year, Cat has to be great. And Finch has to put him in the spots where he can be great. The, the good news for Wolves fans is just that 
know, Chris Finch has done this before. He has experience bringing that out of players, not only of Cat's caliber, but specifically of Cat's position. You know, part of that happening will also be tied to Anthony Edwards, I think, and, and what steps he's going to take going into next year. Cat being great will also be about synergy, right? How he synergizes how he synergizes with Edwards, and if he can do it in a similar way to how we've seen, you know, Jokic and Jamal Murray synergize in Denver. We're going to talk about Ant and kind of his role in some of the Wolves' explosive runs, and we'll do that after a quick break. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily instant karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your instant karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in Insta Karma to over 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and they're free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. Credit Karma Money progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com slash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com slash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Look, no one's perfect. So if you feel like you come up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to GetRoman.com slash more now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com more and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com more now to get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. GetRoman.com slash more. Get started now to save $15 on your first month of treatment. So a fun development of this team over the past month or so since they got D'Lo back, right, is how they've kind of, they've had this extra gear that they can hit. Back in the first half of the season when Cat was out, they just, they didn't have that. It was basically the only way the Wolves were in a game is if they were in the game the whole way. But when this... You know, when when this team is playing like a Detroit or Orlando, like they 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 could kind of coast with them, and then they they hit these streaks that are just kind of kill blows. But when they when they play a good team, they're really really reliant on multiple of those streaks. You know, against Denver, like that coasting was kind of a slow bleeding out tonight, and even even in that third quarter where Anthony Edwards had 18 points, you know that one streak wasn't enough to beat a good team. I asked Cat after the game if he feels like they're kind of becoming somewhat reliant on these sort of streaks. Oh, 
this team has, has recently had some streakiness to it, kind of in a, in a positive way where we've gone on these, these big runs. It, it felt like, I guess, correct me if I'm wrong, it felt like tonight was a night. Mm, I know what you Right, almost cost you a little bit. Yeah, like, you know, it, 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 we kind of reminisced a little bit, even on the bench when we came in, you know, that, we, you know, we have the run to take this game over and win the game. You know, we, we all felt very confident that was able to happen. Um, we just had to make the run and, you know, credit to them, they're a great team. You know, every time we made, we started the bleeding, we stopped it immediately. So you got to credit them. Uh, great team is the reason why they went to the playoff. Um, but, you know, I, I completely understand where you were going with that, Dan. Exactly. That it was looking like a game that's a classic Timberwolves game, you know, keep it close. Fourth quarter comes, we make this one run that takes it over. And now we're playing kind of a possession, possession game. And, uh, even we felt that was coming. Uh, didn't didn't work out that way. You know, that's how basketball goes. Ultimately, I think the Wolves kind of got to pull some of this out of their identity next season. Or the streakiness has to be more of a norm. Like, obviously, the ability to be volatile in a positive way is a good thing. But what I think this team is missing is kind of more a more consistent cruising altitude. And... The thing I don't know, I'm wondering out loud about is, you know, how much of this volatility that we've seen over the past 20 some games is a product of an inexperienced roster and how much of it is this system that Finch is implementing. I mean, the, the volume for Anthony Edwards is high, what, right? Like we, we've gone through this before. Edwards is like top 10 in the league recently in shots per game. But the part of it that is unique is it comes in these bursts. Like Edwards is the streakiest of anyone on this team, not just in like when he's making it, but when he's shooting it and it's great when it's going, but, and you know, Edwards has hit an, another level recently, but it, it feels, it, it's starting to feel costly when Ant is at this level and, and not streaking, right? Not getting the ball. Like tonight in the third quarter where he had 18 points, he took seven shots and had seven free throws. But in the first half of the game, he only had five total shots and had no free throws. I mean, part of this ironing out process and figuring out how Cat, D'Lo, and Ant fit together, I think, like, is, is about finding a way to make Ant be a little bit more consistent part of the drip over all four quarters. I asked Finch after the game about this, like, kind of streaky nature and what, you know, what, what the value is in it, and then also what they can kind of do to find a little bit better of a balance there between Ant and Cat. Chris, uh, Anthony had 18 points in the, the third quarter there. Um, it, it seems to be that a lot of times his production comes in, in spurts like that. What, what do you kind of attribute that to? Um, yeah, he's a bit of a, he's a momentum player, gets some momentum going and he starts feeling it. And then uh, oftentimes third quarter is when it happens. Some of it's, uh, lineup combinations that allow him to have a little bit more space to drive. Um, you know, he has a good sense of, of, you know, stepping up and taking control. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, the, he's, a, he's a, a streaky player in a lot of ways, and uh, that's the beauty of him is you can put together a run. You just don't know when it's coming. And, and Carl kind of seems to be on the other side of the spectrum where, where it's a little bit more consistent. You know, for him, is that more a product of role or maybe Ant's age? What, what do you, what do you kind of in contrasting the production of those two? Um, no, I think you know, Cat, uh, way more experienced in the league, can you know, kind of 
see the game developing a little bit. Um, you know, doesn't, uh, you know, he's done a good job of kind of letting the ball go flow through his hands a little bit earlier in the game, picking his spots to be aggressive. We need him to maybe be a little bit more aggressive earlier in the game. I think the good news here is that there, there certainly feels like there's a, a path to be charted here. Like something makes sense. You know, again, a lot of it is going to be about how Finch prioritizes using these guys when they're on the floor. But I think you know, with an offseason, Finch can really sit down and sort of like distill a strategy of like how to how to trigger these guys for the, the times in the game that are, that are structured for them to go off. Like he talked about, they've, they've clearly found something with a group in the third quarter with Anthony Edwards. You know, can you find that consistently game to game for all three of your stars? You know, it it doesn't feel to me like this is a there's not enough basketballs to go around situation. It, it's more like a we, we just have to figure out how to get the basketballs to go around situation. And, you know, solving that puzzle will be that will be a big part of this offseason for Chris Finch. Lastly tonight, uh, we need to at least you know briefly hit on the news that broke about Alex Rodriguez and Mark Laurie officially signing the paperwork that says those two will be the next two owners of the Minnesota Timberwolves. There have been, I mean, there's been plenty of things swirling over these past few weeks, you know, some of which were some pretty serious questions that surrounded this deal ever, you know, crossing the finish line. The the exclusive negotiating window that Rodriguez and Lori had, um, it came and went on Monday, and for a while there, there was there was a window like for another group to come in and make a bid. Many of you probably heard Aaron Aflalo's group did come in with another offer. And there were other groups out there too. But ultimately, Rodriguez and Lori, they were able to sign the papers today. And, you know, this still need this sale still needs to pass through the NBA's Board of Governors. There are, there are some questions out there certainly about just the nature of this weird two-and-a-half-year passing of the torch agreement that Glenn Taylor has, like, put in place. And there's also there's real questions about how Rodriguez and Lori are going to finance this. You know, as of now, they've only agreed to pay a portion of this $1.5 billion as sort of like a down payment almost. And the nature of that isn't exactly normal. The expectation still is that this should be approved by the Board of Governors and that Rodriguez and Lori will they'll start having input almost immediately. John Krasinski reported at The Athletic that Rodriguez and Lori will they will be at the Hall of Fame induction on on Saturday. Obviously, that's a that's a big day for the kind of greater Timberwolves community with Kevin Garnett being inducted. This will be the kind of sliding into the public limelight for A. Rod and Lori to, you know, just represent themselves as the, the owners of the team. There, there's also tons to yet be covered with this that will come over the next couple months and, and even years about what exactly what exactly Rodriguez and Lori's kind of plans are here. There'll be obviously discussions about the future of the franchise, the stadium they play in all, all sorts of things like these, these ownership shifts are not quick. It's going to be a long drawn out process. And you know, quite frankly, from what I've been hearing, like I, I'm pretty surprised this, this got finalized in the way it did. Like, yeah, it, it seems like a rod and Lori, you know, they, they needed more than the exclusive window. But if you think about it, like they met Glenn Taylor like 35 days ago. 
but that you know that's that's the way Glenn does stuff. Like he did his thing. He he found people that he was comfortable working with, and he pushed it through the finish line his way. And and now it's done. You know, even even Anthony Edwards saw it on the internet today. He was he was asked post game if he'd had the chance to brush up on his Alex Rodriguez knowledge, which of course led to another just classic Ant quote. Ant, it's been a little while since you said you didn't know who Alex Rodriguez is, and he might be the new owner now with the news today. Have you had a chance to to speak with him or kind of do a little research on who he is at this point? Uh, yeah, I, I know exactly who he is. That was a long time ago. But, um, yeah, I saw. I, I think I did see something on the internet about, like, he I – I forgot what he did, but he's, like, the owner now, like, officially, right? No? Not official, they, but – They've got an agreement in place. They just have to sign it. Yeah, agreement. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah I saw something like that on the internet. But, yeah, I mean, that's, that's good. You know, if Ant says it's good, it's good, right? Like – I don't know. Well, we're going to see what all comes from this. I'm, I'm really interested, though, this summer to see how present A-Rod and Lori are in just in this whole thing. What what type of owners are they going to be? How much interaction will they be having with the players? You know, there's a, there's a whole spectrum of the involvement of ownership in a basketball team in the NBA. Like, right, there's the Mark Cubans out there, and then there's the guys you don't hear or see anything of. I asked Cat about how much he plans on, you know, interacting with the, the owners over the summer. He said that he's he's already talked to Rodriguez and Lori, and he also even said today that he's excited to get out on the baseball field for some lessons with A-Rod. So, so there's that. It's all going to it's all gonna shake out down the line. Um, but for tonight, that's what I got for you. Other than, you know, a little tanking standings update, the Wolves lost tonight, so they didn't get worse in the standings. And actually, since the Wolves previously played, the Cavs beat the Celtics on what would that been Wednesday night. So the Wolves are now tied with the Cavs at 22 and 48. That means that if the Wolves lose these final two games of the season, they could no worse than split the lottery odds of the fifth and sixth slot. The fifth slot comes with a 31.6% chance of keeping the pick, and the sixth slot has a 27.6 chance of keeping the pick. So you split the baby there at 29.6 if this is where the Wolves stay. I mean, that's the floor, 29.6, if the Wolves lose these next two. Anything more than that, any, I guess that would be a slide up in the standings to four. That that seems like a stretch. Technically, OKC and Orlando are at 21 wins, and they both have two left. So they could get to 22 or even 23 and tie or pass Minnesota and Cleveland. But... OKC is very bad, and their final two games are against the Jazz and the Clippers. And Orlando's final two games are both against the 76ers, so I do not see any wins coming there. I mean, I think as it's been, we'll continue to see the Wolves try in these final two games. I don't think you'll see them start gunning for this split with the Cavs just because it's, you know, it's 2%. And plus, the Cavs play the Nets and the Wizards in the final two. Maybe the Wolves get lucky and uh, you know, the Cavs somehow pull off one of those. But we will see. Either way, two more games to go for the Wolves. Saturday afternoon against Boston and Sunday night against Dallas. I'll be back to talk to you after the Boston game. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah.